Welcome, folks, to another edition of Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And, of course, you can always catch us on your podcast platform, whatever it may be, Google, Spotify, Apple, or otherwise. Please download, subscribe, rate, and review fresh content every Thursday. And this week, a lot of content on the Brooklyn Nets. We'll touch on the Toronto Raptors, certainly. We'll talk about the Los Angeles Lakers and a whole lot more around the association. And we will dip outside the NBA and have a chat with a member of the Canadian Senior Women's National Team as well. But, Jonesy, I mentioned the Brooklyn Nets, a lot on the Nets on this show, and they continue to be a story both on and off the floor. I, and I, I want to talk to you about football, as I know Jonesy does as well, but we'll deal with the task at hand and, uh, and, and talk, obviously, Nets and Raptors. Coming off a tough one last night, clearly, for Brooklyn, is it still a matter of just trying to feel out New coach, and not really new players, but having players back finally that are playing. Like, what if you could put your finger on it? Is there a way to put your finger on one, or are there like ten things? Yeah, I think that's part of the challenge is trying yeah. to figure out and identify what's going to change, how's it going to change, and at what point are you going to feel as if, oh yeah, this team finally has its footing. The reality is, you don't ever want to lead the NBA in drama. And this team has done that now over an extended period of time. So the basketball side of it is often secondary with this group. And mm -hmm. there has to come a point where you transition into basketball being the topic of conversation and not everything else. From a basketball standpoint, there's been some improvement. You've sent some chemistry, but not enough to feel as if they're good to go. This is the group and they're just going to go to battle with this team the rest of the way. doesn't feel like that quite yet. Ian, here's my question. Um, Kyrie has come out and said he wants this, this other stuff, the noise, to end. Mm -hmm. How much will media not connected with the Nets want to perpetuate and keep it going? Because it's obvious, with all that's happened, this guy wants to play ball right now. He... he, he the focus, he wants the focus mm -hmm. to be on basketball. Well, and it's still a story every city he goes to that and hasn't had exactly. a Exactly. And, yeah. you know, hey, look, we've been all, all been around PR, and if you want something to go away, stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wants. How much will they let him do that? I mean, whoever they is, he doesn't get to control the narrative. He can only control what he says and how he handles situations. And the reality is it was probably taken to the next level because it wasn't handled in the best manner initially. Right, right, right. And then it dominoed from there. There were a couple of opportunities where this could have possibly been pushed to the side and maybe everybody would have moved on, but everyone kept pushing yeah. because there was reason to push. Uh, so now you don't control the backlash in these situations. All you can do is go out and play answer the questions in a manner in which it doesn't uh, fan the flames anymore and get back to your job, which is playing basketball. Here's my follow-up. Has it worn on him? Do you see a different so, guy yeah. when Absolutely. he comes out on the floor? You do. 100%. He's a very proud guy. He's a very smart person. You talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, you'd be very impressed. The problem in this situation is he probably talked himself into a corner that he couldn't get himself out of very easily 
And because it became bigger than basketball, you had other entities, media yeah. entities yeah. now entering the fray. And once that happens, it mushrooms. And this one mushroomed in a hurry. He didn't help himself. And now if he can just get back to playing winning basketball, that may change the story a bit. Winning is the ultimate deodorant yeah. when it comes to this. You win. It's funny how things will change and the storylines after a game will change. But it's not simple. You can't just snap your finger and all of a sudden become a great basketball team. It takes a lot. So maybe to that point, Ian, and the follow-up to Jonesy's then is, is it impacting other guys? Is it impacting the locker room or on the floor? Because everybody else that is connected to mm -hmm. it, you know, they're asked about it or they're at least even surrounded by, if I can use the bad you know, the bad analogy, the, the circus, because the circus is coming to town, like I say, every sure. city they go to. How much do you think it's impacting teammates? I think most players would tell you it isn't, that okay. they're a collective group and they have their teammates back. But if you lose, then things pop up. Yeah. And it's hard to stop that train. So I do think there's a, a connective tissue here if – if you start winning, then everybody starts taking a new angle. If you lose, yeah. this initial angle really settles in, and it begins to fracture, whether you like it or not. And I think from the Nets' perspective, they're truly just trying to figure out how to get past this and start playing winning basketball so that when they go to each city, that becomes the topic of conversation. So let's uh, can we can we jump to football yet or <laughs> no let, let, let's continue on in the basketball vein, Bert. This group, as you look at them as presently constituted, mm -hmm. how far can they go? Because I'm looking at Eric is you know he's he's bet big money on the Bills this year and he's gonna <laughs> win enough to buy a dream home, but but as he shakes his head here, but. The odds makers, people in Vegas that know, still have faith in these guys and still have them as a team to be reckoned with, mm -hmm. even though there are times when it's still early. We're not even out of November. They look like they're far from that. Give me your view down the road, the potential that may exist with this team. When you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons on your team, you're going to have a chance. You have yeah. the opportunity to play with any team in the NBA. The problem is how does this group come together and how do they handle adversity and how does the chemistry develop together? Right now, with Kyrie in the lineup, we haven't seen it. When Kyrie was out during the suspension, they got on a bit of a roll where they felt a little something developing under Jock Vaughn. So... Now the next step is figuring out a way to have Kyrie do what he does, Kevin Durant do what he does, and Ben Simmons do what he does, but to do it collectively. Not one night it's Kyrie, one night it's KD, right, one night right. it's Ben Simmons. Look, having stars in the NBA, as we know, is a big part of winning. But as Toronto can show you, chemistry is equally important and probably more important if you believe in one another if the coach has trust in you. The Nets are not at that level yet. And let's face it, they had a coach fired. We're, we're not that far removed from Steve Nash losing his job because yeah. this was not working. So 
it's not a very simple fix. They're they're trying to do it on the go here, and in the NBA, that can be really challenging. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think I speak for both of us that we have a, a soft spot, not only because he's a good guy, but he was once here as well in Sean Marks, a soft spot in our heart for yeah, Sean Marks. Sean's he's a great guy. Great guy. Is there any? I mean, has the has the luster come off on him a little bit in the sense that like, is he still getting credit for? Taking the chance, I mean, first of all, he reconstructed the whole thing with a mm -hmm. lot of youth. Then he struck and made some bold moves and some big moves. Then he tried to fix it and clean it up last year with James. Then we go into this year, and there's even more drama now. Like, is he taking heat, at least even from the fan base or from the media, or is he still kind of like in the shadows and it's more on the players? It was more on the coach, and that's maybe where more of the focus is. Well, first and foremost, I would say any one of 30 GMs would have taken Kevin Durant 100%. and Kyrie Irving if they were coming together Absolutely. as a package deal. Now, Absolutely. what happens beyond that, that's a different issue. And I do think the way in which it happened has had an effect on the dynamics since. KD and Kyrie basically said, hey, we're coming. And the Nets said, well, why don't we just give you the full presentation of what our culture is? No, 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 we don't need that. We're coming, that's it. So it was never a sit-down meeting, a PowerPoint, a big dinner that they can look back on when everybody agreed. It was simply a phone call, and it was, hey, we're coming. And the retort was, okay, yeah, sounds good. Right. And that was it. And because of that, I do think the relationship and dynamic and communication probably has not been where it needs to be in order to be a championship team. Now. Very simple to say from my perspective, much harder to do. Got two superstars that bring their own stuff yes. with them. To answer your question, yes, Sean is now getting criticism, whereas the first number of years in his position, he did not. It was a rebuild, and he was getting credit for building it back up, making the team relevant. And now that the results have not been there and the offshoot of what took place during the offseason with KD and now this season with Kyrie, whether it's his fault, not his fault, is irrelevant. The GM is going to be in the bullseye. Not to say that they're close to making a move or making a change, but yes, there, there has been some reaction finally from the fan base of, hey, what's the plan here? Okay, I, I, I've, I've been wanting to ask this. How far will Tom Brady go? <laughs> In in life? No, 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 oh. no. With 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 the Bucks. How well, far? But Wednesday afternoon, he posted a thing on Instagram. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but with his son throwing and him standing in the background with his gear on his helmet, and then people are making jokes. He's going to stick around long enough for his kid to be in the league, yeah. like LeBron. Right. Like like Tiger, like Tiger playing with Charlie Woods, right? Yeah. Like, Which was awesome video. Oh by yeah, the, way. the oh, Tiger Charlie yeah. thing was yeah. incredible. That's yeah. nuts. How far do the Bucks go? Can they get it together? What are you talking about the Bucks? I think you want to talk about the or the, the Browns are so bad. We're, that we're, we're not done. Even, we're okay. done. We're right. done. Stick a fork in us, the Browns. Yeah, we're well, done. this is what I would say about the NFL right now, having now worked 11 weeks and oftentimes two games a week with Thursday night and Sunday. So I've seen a lot of the league. The league's not that great right. this year. There's no one that you say, without a doubt, write them in. I was on the Buffalo bandwagon. I still love the Bills. I still believe when the smoke clears, they're going to be there. But it's not a guarantee. No, there's a lot of dents in the armor right now. There are. I, uh, and I just saw Philadelphia last week. I had the Eagles-Colts game. They get they're not by. They're not good. Yeah, yeah. At the very last moment, Jalen Hurts makes a play, still has his legs, still has the ability to create. 
but I can't tell you they're world beaters. I can't say that Minnesota is a world beater. I can't say that Kansas City doesn't have flaws. I think San Francisco has a chance to be very good. Yes, under normal circumstances, Paul, I would say Tampa Bay, I don't know, not this year. Why not? Yeah. If yeah. I'm the Buccaneers right now, I'm looking around the league and saying, we can get hot. Yeah. Tom Brady can lead us to the ultimate goal once again. There is nobody that blows me away in the NFL. And to some degree, that is the dream of the National Football sure. League. Sure is it to is. have parity across the board. There are certain teams that are out of it. <clears throat> I know. Certain I know. teams. <laughs> I know. I know. But with that said. I didn't even bet him last week when the Bills hey, played the Bills. And I didn't even bring it up. You didn't, didn't bring it up. It's like the <laughs> elephant in the room. But with personally, that said, personally, you can improve quickly in this league. I'm on the Mahomes bandwagon. I still He's think fantastic. with Andy Reid and Mahomes not having lost a game in November and December. Like, yes. what was it, 26 yeah. in a row, 25 yeah. in a row? I, I'm I want to go on with Ian, though, because about three weeks ago it would be great to be in New York. You know, like, well, maybe not with the Nets, but the Knicks are playing okay, but especially the Jets, Jets and the Giants. Giants yeah. Now the Giants lose and the Jets are dipping. Right, and the quarterback, quarterback controversy. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Eric Smith starting a quarterback next week for I the JTS. I might be better. Well, you'll throw games so the Bills win. Well, it makes me better. Hey, it's the, oh, it's the only actual New York team, by the way, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills. I'll just say that. Ian, thanks for the time as always. Always great to see you guys. Great, great to see you. Both looking sharp, too, by the way, for a radio show. <laughs> Be Stepping up your game. Be professional, right? Yes. That was our conversation in Toronto at Scotiabank Arena with Nets play-by-play man on the TV side and, of course, NFL play-by-play voice as well. Ian Eagle, always love chatting with Ian. And, hey, we had we had to squeeze in a little bit of football as well, no doubt about that. And, and Jonesy, I, I will now say publicly, I, you know, we brought it up in the conversation, but out of respect for you, I did not even last week, I didn't even mention – the Bills and the Browns going up to the game, let alone after the game. I left it alone, left it alone out of respect for you because I know it's been a tough season for you, man, yet again. And uh, I just, you know, I've known you for so long. I care about you. I just figured I'd leave it. I'd leave it be. So you're well, welcome. Well, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Uh, it's old school respect. I'm not going to be doing – I'm not the guy that, that uh, you know, even when the, the, the Browns look like they may come back or – uh, you know, they grab a 7 nothing lead or whatever. I'm not the guy that's dancing on the first touchdown or the guy that's, that's, that's woofing when he scores a uh, – when he makes a 70-yard run to make the score 31-7. Like, no, you're, you're, you're losing. Keep quiet, take it in, and try to be better next time and win again. You know, let the guys who win celebrate. So – and you, on the other hand, are like one of those old school guys, you know, Jim Brown, drop the ball in the end zone, act like you've been there before. So, yep. Yep. you know, people will say, well, geez, we didn't hear anything about it. Well, it's not like it was a close game and our teams were in the same respective neighborhood in the standings. Unlike the year in Orlando when we had to watch in separate rooms in the hotel and pound on the, uh, <laughs> pound on the wall in, on the adjoining room next door. I mean... Both teams were terrible then. So that was a, I don't know, maybe we should have been losing for draft picks, but it was a different, uh, different atmosphere. So I respect what you did, and uh, I would do the same thing if the Brownies were in a good spot and the Bills were, uh, 
working to try and uh, move up the standings. See, and here we are talking about a game that was over a week ago now. People are going, hey, why are you talking about the Bills and Lions or the or the Brownies and the, and the Buccaneers? But, hey, we still have to talk about our teams and the battle that went on between the two of them. But we put it aside right now. You talked about a team that hopefully uh, has learned to win and is learning to win and, and whatever else. I don't know if this is a good segue, Jonesy, but a team that has learned to win quite a bit for a number of years now, and, and they have been kind of the jewel of the Canadian basketball program. The men are, are, are playing well and they're coming along, but the women have been knocking out of the park and they are fresh off an appearance at the World Cup as well. And again, a conversation that we had a chance to have in Toronto at Scotiabank Arena. We hooked up with a member of the senior women's national team and, hey, Sportsnet analyst as well, Natalie Achanwa. Natalie, before anything else, first of all, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I'm super excited to have uh, my first child, and when we recommend playing basketball, I went through the whole World Cup pregnant, but yeah, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Five months. hey, you and Serena, right? Serena won the Australian Open. Like, just... Just be careful, though, okay? That's all I can say. Just be careful. Don't worry. I'm not playing five-on-five five anymore. We're just in uh, some more protected workouts. We, we just finished our conversation with Ian Eagle, and he calls games for the National Football League as well. So I'm going to actually ask a non-basketball question for a second. Okay. I'm not much of a soccer fan, but I'm a Canadian fan. So clearly <laughs> earlier today I was watching the Canadian soccer team. I don't know if you did as well. I was just looking more big picture, broader picture. As a – national athlete not just a professional athlete do you kind of get into anything and everything world cup olympics whatever it may be just the athlete in you supporting the fellow canadians or like how do you react to you know big moments like this yeah i mean we were still in practice when the game first started but yeah. we got out there's something about representing your country they say there's only two things you get to represent your country in, right it's war and it's in sport so uh, to be able to see our, our men playing on a stage like this and represent not only themselves, their families, but us as well. Um, it's truly something special. So we will support them and also other team sports. Um, it's always fun to see. Uh, there's a different camaraderie that comes to team sports and seeing uh, the men compete like this. And they're fun to watch. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't win today, but uh, nonetheless, they're, they're representing us well. Natalie, um, you guys are in town together, and people might say, well, there's no competitions coming up. Yeah. She's she's five months in. <laughs> like, why are they together? But uh, obviously people don't understand. You don't build chemistry in two two weeks at a competition. Yep. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time to do it. And this is part of it being together with your with your gang, with the team, practicing, hanging out, coming to Raptor games, just doing all of that. It, it, it builds chemistry. And it shows up on the court. So whenever we get the opportunity to be together, there's a break in the professional seasons. A lot of players actually came from playing in Europe to come and be here. But whether it's one day, two days, on the court, practicing, or just being able to go out and eat, um, those moments that you get to spend together, you get to know your teammates better. Once again, it builds that camaraderie. Um, and for us to be able to spend this time, um, it's truly an invest that investment that Canada Basketball have make in our program. And we will show up. I will show up until I can't play anymore. So five months pregnant or not, it was important for me to be here, especially I don't take my role as captain lightly. And so whether that means on the court, on the bench, wherever I can be a part of this team, I will uh, completely invest <laughs> all my time in it. How much of a change have you seen in the program in the last insert number here? year, two, five, whatever it is. Because I know on both the women's and the men's side, with no disrespect to previous regimes and whatnot, <laughs> there has been a noticeable change from top to bottom in a lot of different ways. I mean, the thing that I learned playing with that 
quote-unquote older generation was the investment and the commitment to Canada basketball. And so that's something that's carrying on, but you're interacting with this new age athlete. Um, Toby was in practice and she's in high school still and she right. two-hand dunked in practice the other day. So you're definitely mixing a different athlete, a different style of play, but nonetheless, the commitment to be here and represent our country is still the same. And that's something you will see over generations uh, because we've ingrained it in our program and who we are as athletes. I've always talked about that, Nat, how important it is for us to wire our kids in Canada to p want to play for their country because we had in my generation we had that mm -hmm. then we went through a time period where it wasn't there and now it seems to be coming back because the French kids want to play for France mm -hmm. the Belgian kids are dying to play everybody's dying to play for their country how do we continue to do that to make sure we don't go through another lost generation where yeah play for Canada no I got a scholarship I've got a professional career I think I'll take a pass how do we avoid that yeah it comes in waves but we talk about the different levels and different age groups that we need to continue to focus on it's not just the senior team it's not just wanting to play for Canada in the Olympics it's the process of getting there so is that cadet teams is that younger teams is that developing a women's domestic league here in Canada hey, <laughs> hey ask Eric okay before probably before you were playing I have been on that yeah. about a domestic professional league somewhere for our and kids And we both to play. said we're willing to put up money, not that we have any, to <laughs> I don't have a WNBA <laughs> team too. Like hey, it's, my yeah. money jingles. It doesn't <laughs> fold, but I'll give it if we're going to have, uh, you know, a place for yep. women to play. I mean, I raised a daughter who is a sports nut, a basketball person, and you get them, as you say, ingrained, and, and it's 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 really important. I, did, I didn't mean to jump in. No, no, there. but, yeah, it's definitely important, and it's for young girls to be able to see firsthand that representation and who they could be. Um, and so, I mean, exciting that we have a WNBA game here in preseason. It's going to be played in Toronto. Um, they haven't technically announced the two teams that are playing or where we're playing in Toronto, but that's a step for us to have a game here, and hopefully it sells out. I think we have the crowd and we have the people that will support yeah. it, but we need these opportunities and we do need to show out to show that we do have the market for women's basketball here in Canada. Back to the national, well, sorry, not just the national, but the, well, the national <laughs> team at, 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 at all levels, not just the senior team. Mm -hmm. Risking being the guy being the negative one here, how much also is success plays into retention of players, keeping who you have, let alone bringing in new ones. If they look at the program and say, yes, that's something I want to be part of, as opposed to, ooh, man, they struggled for a lot. Ah, I, I don't want to be a part of that. That's true. I mean, that does come into play sometimes, but I think when you focus on those are not necessarily the athletes that you want to represent your country or to be yep. a part of our program. We want players that no matter what the success is of the program, that they're willing to invest. And that mentality of I'm a winner and I can create a winning program regardless of where they have been, is those the athletes that we want. And I mean, we call this the, the La Pena era. We have new coach Victor yeah. La Pena, and this is what he's kind of transforming, not only our seniors team, but throughout all the programs, that it's important that we have that mentality to win and regardless of the outcome of our tournaments but really turning things up at all levels the men just qualified mm -hmm. for the world cup next year and uh i mean that's something that our women's program is uh, to be honest probably been ahead of our men's program for a while we're getting both of them on track now any words you would have for the guys th that haven't qualified they hadn't qualified for a while they're going to get a chance to play in the world cup you guys have been there at the Olympics the whole bit. What would you say to them going into a competition like this? Mind you, some of them are like you. They're professional players. You, you know, you and the WNBA, we're going to have an NBA team going over there. If you could say something to them, what would you tell them, Matt? Uh, to focus on the jersey you're wearing. 
uh, especially when you're getting into tournaments like that and you have these teams like the US or you have these bigger powerhouses um, that have maybe have the success and have been to multiple World Cups, focus on the jersey you're wearing, focus on how Canada can compete, how Canada can execute, how Canada can do what Coach Nurse would like them to do. And when you focus on yourself, you you can dip into that that time that you spent, that work that you guys put in, and you're not necessarily focused on afraid of who you're playing. Um, but when you're getting against uh, NBA guys, we know they have that confidence, but can you have that confidence in each other as yes. well? And so that focus on just doing it all together, um, regardless of the outcome of the games. Um, but really proud of them to be there. Uh, Coach Nick Nurse came over and, and was chatting with our team before here. So really, once again, seeing that kind of one team Canada and all of us being invested together and representing Canada and our federation as a whole and, and really bringing that together um, is something truly special. Well, maybe last one for you. I'm sure it's going to be extra special. I mean, the Olympics alone was a special, but now yeah. I, I don't know if he or she will come with you, but that's <laughs> got to be pretty cool to look ahead to, to think of that, that to have that moment to, to share with your entire family now that is growing, right? Yeah, uh, well, we'll find out in a week if it's a boy or a girl. Oh. And no pressure to fill in this uh, athletic family <laughs> here as well. Um, but that will definitely be in the plan. I do have the plan to come back and play professional basketball and, of course, represent my country. Thankful uh, to have a teammate like Kim Goche who went through this process. I yeah. just saw her yesterday and leaned on her and any resources and help that she can give me in that kind of process getting back. But that is definitely the plan. You will see a mini me or a mini Devante there on the <laughs> sideline in Paris. That's well, awesome. Again, congratulations. That's Thank awesome, you. Appreciate man. it. Thank, Thank you. you. That was WNBA star, Canadian national team member, and Sportsnet basketball analyst Natalie Achanwa. When we continue on Smith & Jones, We'll shift our attention back to the Brooklyn Nets a little bit, but we'll also dive into the Toronto Raptors, the Los Angeles Lakers, and a whole lot more when we chat with one of the greats from ESPN insider Bobby Marks next on Smith & Jones. Welcome back to Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please download, subscribe, rate, and review. It's American Thanksgiving weekend, folks. Uh, and out of respect for that, we had to pre-record this interview with Bobby Mark, so you might hear a little bit of a difference in the audio, but nevertheless, the contents of the conversation always great because he is so plugged in, he is so tuned in to the NBA, to the players, to the front offices and whatnot. We always love chatting with former NBA executive and ESPN NBA insider Bobby Marks. Bobby, we're approaching the quarter pole for most teams, or you know, maybe even some have hit it. Um, Listen, we can bounce around a bunch of places, and maybe that's what we'll do here, hopscotch around the league a little bit. I wanted to start with, you know, insert team here. Which is the biggest soap opera or drama this year? We could probably go with uh, Golden State. We could certainly go with the Lakers. But in the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets, the team that's already made a coaching change, it seemed like they maybe kind of sort of had things on track. But do they really? And how do you see things unfolding right now for Brooklyn in the short term, let alone long term, both on and off the floor? Yeah, I mean, I think we probably label them as a day-to-day team, right? I mean, like, how do you trust them? I, I How do you trust that roster? Um, you had a great win in Portland um, a week ago. You know, you beat a, a decimated um, Memphis team on uh, on Sunday night, and then Tuesday night, you go into Philadelphia without um, Harden, Maxi, and Bead, and get you know basically blown out in the fourth quarter here, fully intact. And and Simmons, Ben Simmons playing at, at you know on a, on a good stretch of games here. So I, I don't know how you how you trust uh, this group here. They'll be in the 
they'll be in the top 10 during the year. Um, is there going to be a trade down the road where Sean Marks has to look about overhauling this roster? I don't think about I don't think this February. I think probably that's something you probably tackle um, you know, in the uh, you know in the uh, in the off season, but you've you've got the Kyrie factor. Certainly, a guy who's going to be uh, a free agent in in June. Um, if you're a 500 team at, at the deadline, do you look to try to move him? I don't think he has much trade value here, but yeah, I just it's as I said, it's a, it's a day to day team. Just because you don't know, you might get a great performance, or you might get you know a, a lackluster performance. Bobby, what about the other guys? Um, you know, let, I mean, we can focus on Kyrie and 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 Kevin, uh, Ben Simmons. They they have a lot of the focus. But what about the the play of the supporting cast? Kevin, he explained himself, but he kind of went after them after when yeah. they they were they were drubbed by the Kings, who are another story, by the way. But you know, I was kind of yeah. in and out watching watching the, the the game against Philadelphia. You know, flipping the dial, looking at other stuff, checking out Memphis as well. But like, like Joe Harris and Nick Claxton, like yeah. Joe Joe Harris, like he's he's got it. He's been he's had injuries. He's got to come back and start making shots for them. Like it, as much as we look at their big three, boy, the other guys really need to be on board too. I know. I mean, they were a minus eighteen off the bench in the Philadelphia game. I mean, that's impossible. That's close to impossible. Considering, you know, you had, you know, your bench guy, you know, Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton, guys in Philadelphia are now your starters here. And uh, Joe, you know, I, you know, certainly coming off the injury a year ago, um, has struggled shooting the ball. I think it was 1-8 in that Philadelphia game. They've, you know, they've gotten some nice minutes, you know, uh, from, you know, from a starter when you look at Royce O'Neal, um, Edmund Sumner when he played um, – you know, Yuta Watanabe, um, you guys had him in, in Toronto. He's leading the league in, in three-point percentage, but it was out for that game with a, with, a, with a hamstring issue here. So there just hasn't you know, Seth Curry's been in and out of the lineup with uh, coming back from that injury. There just hasn't been that consistency from um, from the bench, and that's the hard part when you have um, basically kind of a rotating door of, of new players, whether it's guys acquired in trade or guys signed to the veteran minimum. Marquise Morris is another name there. It's kind of hard to kind of get um, you know everybody kind of on on, on the same page. You know, Sumner goes from the starting point guard with Kyrie suspended. Now he's basically getting he's getting DMPs here. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I uh, you know I get it. You know what Durant said last week. You know that's not an appealing group here. But um, you know when you have Durant, when you have Kyrie and you have Simmons on the court, you just you need a strong supporting cast. Hey, Bobby, at the risk of kind of being a bit of a revisionist here, the, the, the news isn't that old. Jonesy and I have discussed it, as I'm sure you have ad nauseum. But when we look back to just a couple of weeks ago, did Brooklyn need to or have to fire Steve Nash? Was that the one kind of bullet to shoot in terms of, like, let's see if we can do this to reignite the team? Like, could it have worked out? Because, like, we have the debate and even checking our Canadianism at the border here. It's not like we're just trying to, you know, trumpet Steve Nash because he's Canadian. His record was pretty damn good. His results were pretty damn good. And he was a toe away from knocking out the champs that went on to win that year in, in Milwaukee. But yet, it's not like it's really been the magic elixir thus far. So I guess I'm almost re-asking, like, what yeah. gives with Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I was in Brooklyn, or I guess it was New Jersey, when we fired you know Byron Scott way back when, and Lawrence Frank ripped off I think like fourteen or fifteen in a row. So 
it's it's been you know uh, you know I would have been interested in Steve coaching this group without Kyrie on the court. I would have been interested to see that um, you know what uh, going out west um, with this Nets team coming back home um, without uh, without Irving here to see what they would able to do here. And no, I mean he never had a full complement of players, um, whether it be during the um, you know the twenty I guess twenty twenty one season. Um, certainly last year, I thought intact with Harden you know that was a team that should come out of the Eastern Conference here so it's the rare you know it's I guess it's you know hey we're two and five or one and five somebody's got to go you're not going to fire the players I'm not going to general manager is not going to be fired um you're looking at the head coach now certainly that that Indiana loss at home that Saturday night um probably did him in here but no I think you probably could have wrote it out a little bit more with Steve and then made a decision here because I still think this Nets team would have probably been 500 or maybe a little bit above 500, um, you know, after 2021 games. Bobby, how much of the firing, um, and, and I always say this, it's, you know, there's, uh, the line I heard was from a former NBA coach who said the owner told him, I'm with you till I can't be with you anymore. And, <laughs> and it, it made me think about Kevin Durant making, if they're substantiated, demands in the offseason about well I'll play for this team but the coach and the GM have to go and now the GM says all right I'm not going anywhere but let's get rid of the coach and see if things work a little bit give it you know 10-15 games see if that works how much of that Sean Mark's decision might also have been based on what Kevin Durant said in the back of his mind this summer well, I think a lot. I mean, I think you're trying to save the season. I think in a perfect world, they probably would have hired Ime Udoka in, from Boston based as a kind of a Hail Mary to make the, I mean, they're grasping at straws to try to make this work because when you, when it doesn't work, it's probably going to cost more people their jobs. I mean, what, what, you know, in, 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 in the big picture here, what, what Brooklyn should probably be doing is looking at stuff for Durant down the road, whether it be in court, you know, in February or when we get to the off off season here, because I mean, this is who they are and you're going to have not Irving on the roster next year. You'll be a, an expensive 500 team here. Um, and I think eventually you're going to have to kind of rip the bandaid off a little bit here. So, yeah, I mean, I think certainly what Kevin, what, what happened in the off season with Kevin, um, the trade demand, the asking of uh, Nash and, and Sean Marks, um, you know, being let go, um, you know, basically could kind of, you know, put something, you know, put a seed in the owner's, uh, you know, mind that, you know, if things did not start well, if we did get off to a slow start, if we did look lethargic, that, you know, Steve was going to be the guy to go. Speaking with Bobby Marks, Bobby, it's it's probably a little bit earlier here to start speculating, and both Jonesy and I hate the whole rumor mill thing, but let me flip over to the other yeah. conference. The champs. You know, yep. is this just a case of, you know, a little championship hangover, some injuries, some, some guys not playing well yet? Or at what point do you start going, okay, hold on, do we need to address this, the, the, the depth, the second unit, the, 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 the core? Like, what do you make of what's happening with Golden State? Yeah, I mean, you know, at, when they lost to Memphis in the play-in um, a few years ago, you know, they went into that offseason. Bob Myers, their, their general manager, was was pretty clear as far as what they needed to do. They needed to kind of shore up their bench with veterans. And you went out and got Otto Porter and Bezalika and Gary Payton. Iguodala came back here. Um, and you didn't have to rely on, on some of the young players. You went in a little bit of an opposite direction here. 
where you're thinking, okay, now it's time for Moses Moody and Kaminga and Wiseman. He went out and got DiVincenzo, um, you know, who was in um, you know, prior at Milwaukee, Sacramento. Michael Green, Jordan Poole is going to take another step. And I think your your youth has kind of let you down a little bit um, so far. I mean, you guys saw in the um, in the, uh, the New Orleans game where none of their main guys played and they got dropped. I mean, they got dropped. It was not, not a competitive game here. And um, the thing with Golden State is they do not make changes during the regular season. Uh, the, the, their lone big trade was the D'Angelo the Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade, which was right before um, COVID hit in 2020. That team was headed toward the lottery. Um, they're not known to kind of shake up, um, shake up the core. So either you're going to rely on hopefully your younger players take a big step um, and you can trust them coming off your bench, or you're going to have to do something when you, uh, when you get to the, to the trade deadline. I mean, anytime, hey, if the season ends right now and you said, you know, we're going to, you know, they, the Warriors were the eighth seed, I would say, well, they're probably going to be the favorite here. Certainly how Curry has played. I think Thompson has played, you know, certainly a lot better. Um, you know, green is green, um, but it's just more of that, that defensively. They're you know not there. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a hangover from the from the Boston series here, but you're asking a lot from their younger players, and they have not delivered so far. Take me into the minds. I want your opinion on the mindset of Draymond Green, uh, not necessarily Steph Curry, but but we've heard some. Uh, outward uh you know outward displays of of discontent from clay thompson about you know pointing to the bench uh, opponent's bench i got four rings yeah. and people kind of need to give me a break what i'm coming back for they're looking at jordan Poole, andrew wiggins these young guys getting all this money and they're saying well wait a minute we laid the concrete down we've built the house now they're coming in with some furniture and they're getting paid what, what what what's happening to me when my contract is up? I mean, Draymond Green is is one is the first guy I look at. You know, Clay coming back. Are 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 veterans looking and saying maybe the writing's on the wall for me here? What they're paying these young guys all this money? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good point. I mean, I think certainly Clay is interesting just because like. You made a good point with that was the Phoenix game with Devin Booker um, a while back. You know, I, you rarely ever see that. I mean, even like little things like, you know, being mad about his NBA 2K rating, right? Like just like, the, you know, yeah. I know he's not where he was prior to the injury. I think, he's, you know, the Houston game um, the other night or a week ago, he, you know, shot for you know, 41 here and he shot the heck out of the ball here. So I think he's coming around. Draymond, on the other hand, is, is – is, is interesting just because I think what we're seeing is that punch and that altercation. It, it was basically kind of like a little bit of kryptonite here where kind of like he's on his best behavior. His, the edge that we've seen with, uh, with Draymond in, in the past where he's kind of, you know, towing the line and pushing the issue. We just don't see that right now. And I don't know if that will, will, will change here. And um, you're right. I mean, you've got Draymond's got a player option for next year. Um, Clay has um, another year after he, this year. So, you're looking at guys, um, you know, who are looking to get paid again. Um, this is probably the last big contract, and, and Wiggins just got a, a nice extension. Jordan Poole got a big extension here, and um, that's going to be the decision. You know, we've outlined it, right? $500 million it's going to cost is to bring this group back as far as with, uh, with salary and luxury tax for next season. 
That is that is wild when you say. I mean, I know it, but when wow. you say it, when you hear it, five hundred million dollars, man. Speaking with Bobby Marks, Bobby, uh, as I said, kind of off the top, they they might be easy pickings, but let me stay in the Western Conference then. The Los Angeles Lakers, like I think we all would agree that uh, LeBron is starting to show a little bit of signs, at least a little bit of signs of of his age, and that's understandable. That's not criticism, um, but it certainly goes well beyond just LeBron and there's a whole bunch of things we could look at with the Lakers. Do they have enough to be able to address what they still need or what they need to fix, or do they need to just figure it out on their own and go with what they've got? Yeah, it's almost like they're going to have to take their medicine and just figure it out. I don't think they have enough to go out and and fix what they're looking for. And um, I think the only saving grace is that the, there's a lot of parity in the Western conference here, but, what happens is, is you get teams like Sacramento who who weren't a playoff team. They get into the top 10. Now they're bumping teams out. Um, and the Lakers weren't a playoff team last year. And, um, you know, see, we've talked about the picks. You know, I, I just don't see them going out and making a big deal to just get into the uh, into the play. And uh, they've played better, right? I mean, they've played better. You know, they had a, um, a three-game winning streak before they lost in, in, in Phoenix. They're, they're competing better, I would say. You know, certainly they figured it out with Westbrook. Um, coming off the bench. It, Anthony Davis has played at a high level here, but you're right. I mean, um, I guess Father Time has caught up to LeBron a little bit where, you know, you're, you're not relying on him to play, you know, 70, 75 games anymore. There's going to be a part where he misses a chunk of a, a chunk of the season. And uh, and so I don't I don't think there's a big move out there that gets them into – I don't think there's a Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, or somewhere else uh, – Maybe some of these guys in Utah. Um, we'll, we'll see who becomes expendable in the, in the next month or two. That can get you into the top six or top seven of the uh, of, of the Western Conference. Uh, is anybody is anybody willing to be a trade partner with them, Bobby? Do you, uh, is there anything <laughs> that they have other than other than really Russ is the guy? Now there are whispers out yeah. there. Hey, you know, maybe they should actually think about trading LeBron. I, I like I. <laughs> Is there anybody that's willing to deal with them? Well, they don't have the sweet spot contracts. I always say that if teams that go out and make deals are the ones that have those players that are making between ten and fifteen million dollars. You know, when you have a team that's top heavy with um, in salary with uh, AD and Westbrook and LeBron, um, you know, three guy, three players that are making north of a hundred million, and basically everyone else is on uh, besides Patrick Beverly. I mean, he's probably their only guy. Uh, they're all on veteran minimum contracts here. And, um, you know, LeBron signed that extension, so he can't be dealt. Um, but the Westbrook, we've talked about it. You know, it's basically to attach that salary. And I think that, you know, it was always about attaching two first-round picks to get rid of Westbrook. But I think what happens is, too, the, the, as the days go by, that Westbrook $47 million number gets lowered as far as what you owe him in salary here. So maybe there's a deal out there when we get closer to February. And then Davis, so you're going to move your second-best player and then – what are you going to break that up into two or three players? So it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. I mean, teams know where they are. They know that, you know, the, the LeBron window is closing here. So why are you going to, go, going to go out and make a deal to try to make them be, that team better unless you are going to get something of, of value back? Hey, Bobby, you just said it. The, the window is starting to close a little bit. How much do you think – I mean, listen, I know he's already kind of talked about it a little bit. How much do you think he's still thinking about and projecting? How much do you think the Lakers should be thinking about and projecting LeBron James and his desire to potentially play with his son? Yeah. And how do you navigate that over the next couple of seasons? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, there's probably two ways to look at it. Are you looking, um, you know, you'll have another year of, of him next year before that, um, that that player option kicks in, and that, that is also the year, I think it's the offseason of 24 when his son is um, draft eligible here. Um, so how do you, you know, how do you kind of navigate that? I mean, it's it's just hard because, you know, like, you go through this year and let's say Westbrook's number comes off and it's basically you and Davis, and then you're going to go out and you've got cap space. So if you're the Lakers, are we going to go out and commit, you know, three years, $90 million to a player when LeBron James is not going to be here the following year? And Anthony Davis has a player option too. It's, it's very hard to navigate here. He's got an, um, you know, there's it's not like he has a no trade clause. So I think it's something that when you get through this season that you sit down with them and figure out, Hey, this is kind of where we're, where our roster is. This is what we can add. This is what we can't do here. And is do you want to be part of this going forward? If not, then we'll look at you know trade partners for you. But then on the other end, there is a team out there that's probably saying, well, how much do we have to give up just for LeBron for one year? Because if the goal is for him to play with his son, then he's not going to be here past the season. Hmm. All right, uh, Bobby, I want to move to the to the positive in the West. Um, you know, I, it's interesting. I had a lot. I've been having a lot of chats with my brother Mark, who is uh, doing yeah. Sacramento Kings local when he's not doing uh, national for ABC and ESPN. And he said, "Man, it's it's kind of tough sometimes when your team's not good." I said, "Really? Hey, man, I saw <laughs> I saw a twenty-two and sixty. I, I I've seen I've seen twenty-eight and at twenty-eight and fifty-four. Like like, hey, don't man, tell hey, me about say, that. Say, say we say we. I was there too, Jonesy. Yeah, I, I lived yeah, through yeah, that with yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I saw 17 before you got there, and you brought me up to That's 20, true. Eric. Thank you. Um, uh, but, you know, I looked at that team, Bobby, and thought they do have some young potential when I looked at, you know, De'Aaron Fox and, and, and some yeah. of the, the, the pieces they, they had. And now Mike Brown comes in, an experienced coach with championship pedigree, not just from Golden State. Remember, he took the likes of, uh, you know, Booby Gibson and, and, and company with LeBron James to the finals. Mike knows what he's doing. And I can see the beam from here. Like Sacramento has it going right now. How sustainable is this, uh, what they're doing right now? I think it's sustainable. I think it's probably a little more sustainable than probably what we're seeing in Utah, just because I don't you know where that roster will be come past the trade deadline here. I think you might be some guys on that team. You know, I wrote an article on, uh, on, on ESPN.com just looking at some of the transactions from the offseason that have benefited. Certainly Sacramento, Indiana uh, were highlighted. And I had pl- I, I actually enjoyed writing the article because we weren't talking about turmoil and who wanted to be traded and all these different things. And, you know, what's, what's happened in Sacramento is, is, you know, certainly, you know, they addressed their shooting with um, – Keegan Murray, he struggled a little bit, you know. I mean, played well in the uh, in summer league, but it struggled. Um, but it, I'm not worried about him. And then you go out and, and get Malik Monk on a two-year, nineteen million dollar. Kevin Herter's been tremendous. I mean, he has been off the charts um, shooting the ball. Um, you know, you basically give up a protected one for him. You get De'Aaron Fox playing like an all-star. Sabonis, their bench guys have been enough. Harrison Barnes has been really good, um, and it's it's enjoyable. I mean, I'm watching the Detroit game. Um, from uh, I believe from last weekend here, and you know you're trying to be biased, but you're rooting for this team. I mean, listen, th- like this is how crazy it is. You know, I have a son who's a, who's a junior in high school. He was born when they made the playoffs the last time. 
Like, it's an, an incredible thing that, to think that in this league, at least, like, every once in a while you'll make the playoffs. Like, there'll be a two-year stretch, and then you kind of re- retool again. But for 16 years to not make the playoffs is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And I think I do think it's sustainable here as far as what they have. Um, as far as And, Mike, he hasn't really even put his DNA on this roster as far as from a defensive standpoint here. They're basically kind of outscoring teams right now, and I think – they learned some things, um, you know, in, in, a, in a Memphis win um, recently here, where they had a big lead. They, you know, they, they Morant misses a free throw to tie. Um, they're they're learning how to win, you know, down the stretch. Bobby, uh, we've overstayed our welcome with you, but I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't at least ask you one quick question on the Raptors. By the way, my kid yeah. is in grade eight. My kid's in grade eight, so he's never <laughs> seen the Kings in the playoffs. But but he's not talking about Sacramento very much. He is talking about. The Raptors, and this is a team that, you know, in spite of a ton of injuries this year, and we could probably say that about yeah. about a lot of teams in the league, they have dealt with a lot thus far. They seem to have a good core of old vets, a couple of old heads, an auto porter who hasn't played a whole ton, Thad Young, some young pieces coming along. Do you like the direction that Toronto is headed right now, Bobby, and, and what the short, let alone longer-term future looks like for this team? Yeah, I mean, before Pascal got hurt, I mean, he was you know certainly playing at, a, at an All NBA level again. Um, I just think it's got to be health, right? I mean, you just got to be you know you've you've had some injuries certainly with Otto being out, um, you know, in and out of the lineup here. Um, you know, Gary Trent's been out. Um, you know, you've gotten you're basically playing you know Scotty at the two some nights. Um, it's just it's just they've just got to stay healthy. I mean, they're a top six team. I like them, and I think. I think it's a group that deals with adversity really well. I think they all like each other. Certainly, Nick is a heck of a coach here. They can they can withstand a couple guys being out, where maybe some of these other teams. You know, Miami the other night basically rolled out seven and gets creamed in, in Cleveland. So I think they can they can deal with a little bit more adversity. I think in the East, the East how it is right now will keep you in it. Um, you know, Milwaukee and Boston are playing well, but I think if you just if you stay at you know a couple games above 500, maybe you go on a little bit of a run here. Um, you'll be in the top six. But I, I do like their group. Um, but I just you just got to you know you got to keep them out there healthy. Bobby, we appreciate the time as always, and uh, really appreciate you kind of uh, extending it today. The conversation. Thanks so much. You Thanks, guys, Bobby. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was our conversation with ESPN insider and former NBA executive. Bobby Marks. Again, folks, every Thursday, fresh content on Sportsnet 590 to the fan and on your podcast platform, Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever it may be, please download and subscribe to Smith & Jones. Rate and review as well. For our producer, Austin Mackey, and for Paul Jones, I'm Eric Smith. Thanks for tuning in.